Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. This is wild. According to OptaStats, OptaStats, Darren Doogie Wolfson, 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, there have been 778 instances in NBA regular season history of a team playing consecutive road games against 15-plus games over 500 opponents. So back-to-back road games against really good teams. The Timberwolves are the only one of the 778 to win both games by 20 or more points. Wow. What do you make of that? Yes. I mean, you go back to last, what, Thursday. It seems like forever ago because it's so rare when the Wolves don't play on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. But we go back to Thursday at Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee. Now, no Dame, no Chris Middleton, but nonetheless, the Wolves have nothing to apologize for. That was a butt whooping they put on the Milwaukee Bucks. Then you look at last night. There was such a buildup, maybe more so in Los Angeles for this matchup. There was chatter a couple weeks ago when the Clippers came here that Zubak didn't play, right? But last night, the Clippers had everyone available, one versus two in the West. Phil, outside of about a five- to six-minute stretch in the second quarter, that was thorough domination by the Wolves. Yes, the third quarter, make no mistake, when you outscore the Clippers by 21 in that quarter. But I just thought even the first quarter, the first five to six minutes of the second quarter, the fourth quarter, yeah, Like, the Wolves were so locked in. I can make a case. Now, hey, if you want to come back at me and say, no, the answer is OKC a couple Mondays ago, or it's Denver in November at Target Center. The Wolves won that game wire to wire. Or if you want to say Boston at Target Center back in November, my comeback to that is Derek White was out for that game. But I'm telling you, I can make a case. Last night was the best slash most dominating performance of the Wolves season it was that thorough 33 assists that was an unreal performance last night what does it say that the clippers did what i think a lot of teams think or thought might be the kryptonite to the wolves so the clippers put uh center they they went small and the wolves didn't flinch like to me that's uh that's sort of a playoff statement, right? Because that, that's what teams did to the Jazz when Gobert was there. And that did prove to be a kryptonite for the Jazz. What does it say that the Clippers did that and that it worked for a little a little while, but to Finch and the Wolves' credit, Dukes, 
they adjusted and were absolutely fine. And by the way, they didn't back down. They didn't free out. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to Rudy Gobert with the Wolves has much better help around him defensively compared to what he had in Utah. That's why the parallel, what took place in the postseason with the Jazz compared to what will take place here, to me, is markedly different. Doesn't mean the results will be different, but the landscape clearly is different. Yes, I mean, how about Catlin on the offensive end? Did he miss a two-point shot? Gobert, both ends, was great. Now, I do think, like, if you're playing the Clippers in a seven-game series, let's drift ahead to May, second round of the playoffs or the Western Conference Finals. You know, does Paul George shoot the ball better? Is there a lot more with Norman Powell? Like, the Clippers shoot the three at a high clip, right? So over the course of a seven-game series, does that even out somewhat? But, yes, the way the Wolves can play bully ball, big boy ball, right? I'm not sure the Clippers can combat that. You can make a case after what we saw at Target Center a couple weeks ago, then again last night, that the Wolves should not be scared of playing the Clippers in the postseason. Yeah, it's – I mean, on one hand, yeah, like they – the Clippers might shoot better in some games, but it's also just really hard to get clean shots off when the Wolves are playing defense like that. And Jaden McDaniels is contesting at the rim. Uh, And I'd have to look into the cat two point stats, but Anthony Edwards definitely did not. He went one for 11 from three. It was his worst three point shooting night of the year, I think, but he did not miss a shot inside the arc. So if you can beat the Clippers on the road by 20 on a night where Anthony Edwards goes one for 11 from three, it just shows you, the different ways in which this team can win. And Dukes, Monte Morris played some, he's not, he's not the full, fully realized version of Monte Morris yet, but um, he's still a little bit rusty coming off the quad injury, but he mixes in for like 15 or 20 minutes last night. And then what's the latest Marcus Morris on the buyout market potentially is a name that Pat Beverly floated on his podcast that went kind of viral yesterday. Yeah. So even going back to late last week, I at, tweeted a few people they were asking me so I answered the question I mean I didn't know how far off the ground it was outside of the wolves reaching out so I didn't want to put it out there for it to be aggregated but I certainly if people ask me questions in my feed happy to answer if I have the information and I did have the information that the wolves had reached out on Marcus Morris heck on Joe Harris as well but that hasn't gone anywhere but yeah Pat Bev his podcast moving it along on Monday afternoon or Monday morning, or maybe it was late Sunday night, doesn't matter, sometime in the last 24 to 36 hours, that Marcus Morris is indeed leaning toward signing with the Wolves. Now, in this moment, Declan, can you look this up? Sorry to put you to work, but have the Spurs officially made a move on Marcus Morris? Yeah, he's still a he Spur, I even think. on the market? I'm now, we sure expect it to the, happen. Yeah, yes. But, like, last week you guys were talking about Seth Curry. Well, it's clear Seth Curry isn't going anywhere. He played. Right? It looks yeah, like he's Charlotte playing. is going to use him. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing mm-hmm. a good amount. I think the Spurs make the move on Marcus Morris, right? Pat Bev, his podcast doesn't put out that information recklessly, I don't think. I mean, Pat Bev played with Marcus. <laughs> he broke his own trade. I can remember way back when. Yeah, Chris Finch was on that Rockets staff. Hey, Cole Aldridge was on that Rockets team as well. You know, Marcus has, you know, some dog, some toughness. You think about Bev a couple of years ago. <laughs> Marcus has a lot of those same qualities. Yeah, I heard you on score yesterday going with that, Phil. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, I have no reason to doubt that information. I'm just saying in this moment, we are still awaiting the Spurs to actually make the move to free him up. Thus, then he can sign with the Wolves. Yeah, he's a hockey guy, Judd. Marcus Moore is like, like your third, third line. He's the mucker? 
he's not like a full on enforcer because he can score. Like he can shoot threes and he can score a little bit, but he he's like he'd be like the bodyguard for Anthony Edwards out Go there. Go on the corners. Go on the yeah. corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm even wood. thinking like Dig if the there up. are instances <laughs> where teams find a way to like force Kyle Anderson to shoot it and he misses a few in a row, like can Marcus eat up some of those minutes? I mean, I get it. Finch loves Kyle for everything that isn't shooting, the intangibles, the passing. When the Wolves go to a zone defense, not that it's often, but when they go to a zone, Finch likes Kyle in that circumstance, right? But like if the right matchup presents itself where the defense finds a way to force Kyle into a bunch of different shots, shot clock winding down, he has to take a floater, a 15-footer, you know, clank, clank, clank. At that point, you might just say, you know what, Kyle? You come out. Marcus, you go in. <laughs> See ya, Kyle. Hey, on Gobert, I, I was going through the stories this morning, and there was something that stood out to me about uh, the postgame comments coming out of Los Angeles last night, and, and it's this. One is, evidently, at halftime, Gobert had a big voice as far as, as correcting what had gone wrong, I guess, in very colorful terms. But the other thing was, at the end of one of the game stories I read, Gobert had a great quote about, yeah, we played great. We played Portland twice. Let's see if, let's repeat this. Let's, and I think that Gobert probably doesn't get enough credit for what he does internally here. And, and you could tell, like, all, all his postgame stuff, he, he had the great quote last night on Bally's when Leah B. Olson asked him about teams going inside, and he's like, yeah, they, they should be scared. But I think Gobert probably deserves a lot of credit, Dukes, for what he does also as as a guy who might not be considered the quote-unquote leader of the team, but definitely plays that role behind the scenes, probably without a lot of fanfare. Well, I think his play in many ways is doing that talking. Like the word in Utah, Judd, was not much of a leader. Last year, clearly, when he's not playing well, hard to lead. Now. The way he's playing, I mean, you can make a compelling case, right? At this moment, defensive player of the year, everybody recognizes that. Certainly his teammates recognize the high level he's playing at. You gravitate more toward him when he's talking. I mean, he's tried to talk, right? I just don't know if there's a whole lot of leadership qualities there. That's not a knock on Gobert, just not in his DNA. But in this moment, the way he's been playing, pretty easy to lead. But really, like if you had to rank like leaders in that locker room like Kyle Anderson to me is above him heck at this point Ant is above him Mike Conley Jr. is above him mm-hmm. like Gobert to me at like the highest would be like fourth can like, Kyle lead right now though at. when when you're playing like well, Kyle is like to, to your yeah. point about Gobert that's got to get tough to, question. to have a yeah. huge voice when you're struggling so much yeah I think they realize the other things he brings to the table and, you know, all his years in the league, everything he's been through, that I think he has enough command. My sense is enough command, certainly with Ant. Like, my sense is, just from talking to enough people over there, Ant will absolutely listen to Kyle. So if Ant's listening to Kyle, mm-hmm. like, it's safe to think that enough other guys will listen. But I get it. It's hard to lead when you're playing yeah. this poorly. Sure. Yeah, Kyle knocked out a three-pointer last night. I don't know what he you did. guys are complaining about. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Six assists and a three-point. He has been better since the trade deadline, I feel like. It, it, it must have well, lo- loosened. And hey, it, it they never came close, right? A lot of people, when you know going on to the trade machine, you were trying to concoct these different ideas. I mean, going back to the trade deadline, I can just tell you, 
The Wolves never came remotely close to moving Kyle Anderson. That's yeah. how much they value him. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Yeah, this will be a uh, man. They are they went through a lull there, but man, to go on the road and we went you know to start the show. The Optostat, seven hundred seventy eight instances. The only team to beat two road teams fifteen games or more over five hundred by twenty or more points. It is like we were talking about this. I think before we hit the microphones, no one around the NBA national like like Kendrick Perkins is the only one around like ESPN and TNT that's it's kind of hammering this Wolves thing. Uh, apparently it came up on first take today, Stephen A and Shannon Sharp and Kendrick Perkins probably brought the talker to the table cause he was on the show too. But I promise you like Stephen A Smith has watched zero Timberwolves basketball this year, right? <laughs> Shannon Sharp, zero Timberwolves basketball. I mean, Shaq, Kenny and, and Barkley have barely watched any wolves. They barely watched the game that was on TNT a few weeks ago. Um, so it'll be interesting if they keep putting together wins like this and they stay atop the Western conference. When will they become a focal point among the national media? You know, I don't personally, whatever, like go prove it. But um, at some point they will have to start talking about the Timberwolves. Well, and I think it could happen as soon as now let's, maybe this is dangerous, but let's presume win tonight, win Thursday. No Malcolm Brogdon. Heck, Anthony Simons is banged up. Is he still out? Scoot Henderson has been questionable, didn't play over the weekend. So does he play tonight? So let's presume win tonight, win Thursday, head into the All-Star break. That first game after the All-Star break is a Friday night game, late start, Target Center, national TV against the Milwaukee Bucks. So if you beat a fully healthy Bucks team, now maybe Chris Middleton isn't back by then, but Dame Lillard plays in that game for Milwaukee. If you win that game, on Friday night, the 23rd, I could see at that moment, Phil, things shifting. How about a couple more notes about the Wolves, courtesy of Wolves PR? So the Wolves are now 23-11 and 11 this year against teams above 500. Those 23 wins, the most in the NBA. So again, the Wolves have the most wins in the NBA against teams above 500. 12 wins this year of 20-plus points. Mm. Six of those 12 on the road. So the 12 20-plus point win games, that leads the NBA. The six on the road leads the NBA. So, again, 12 wins this year of 20 or more points. They have been dominant so often so far this year. Wow. it's kind of crazy, man. All right. Dubes. But it comes down to matchups, right? Like, I'll hold on. You know, I still wonder after what Dallas did, Gafford, Washington, like if it's 1-8 Wolves-Mavericks or 2-7, Wolves Mavericks you feel good right because the Wolves have home court advantage but like you feel really really good in a best of seven against Luka against Kyrie or if it's Wolves Lakers can you imagine the whistle the Lakers will have on their side if it's one Wolves against eight Lakers it, it, there's so many saying. fascinating matchups and, and yeah. right? does it's the entire so matchup series based. Yeah. just referees the entire night. thing yeah yeah, I will give Ed Malloy credit. He fessed up? He fessed up. Yeah, so end of Knicks-Rockets last night. I was watching live. 
end of the game. Aaron Holiday is trying to throw up a prayer after a Chua. Nice block. Looks like the game's going to overtime. Jalen Brunson jumps up toward Holiday. Maybe minimal contact. Like, it was a prayer. Like, there's no way you blow the whistle. And it wasn't Malloy who blew the whistle. It was one of the other officials. But Malloy, crew chief, right? Like, he could have overrode it. He could have said, no, like, we can't do that. Let's, hey, let's, you know, get together. Let's put our heads together. Hey, let's reverse that call in the moment. But no, they let the call stand. Aaron Holiday makes the first free throw, makes the second. Purposely, rightfully so, a .3 seconds on the clock. Misses the third. Clanks off the rim. The clock started late. So Josh Hart grabs a rebound, signals timeout. Tibbs is thinking that they called the timeout, but based on replay, like you hit the rim, 0.3 seconds is going to come off. So they call the game. Tibbs went berserk. Yeah. Like absolutely irate. Think about how pissed off Tibbs was at different points coaching the Wolves. I've never, like I saw him last night, never seen Tibbs like that. He did calm himself down 10, 15 minutes later when he met with reporters. But yeah. in that moment, I've never seen Tibbs that pissed off. Just but yes, brooding. that was an Ed Malloy crew. <laughs> I love I love a brooding Tom Thibodeau. It's great, man. So, Dukes, on, on the Vikings, um, the, the reports, you know, obviously from Super Bowl week started to circulate. A bunch of reports, including from our buddy Tom Pelissero, on Sunday about Cousins and the Vikings potentially or, or wanting Cousins back, but it's going to ha- have to play out. I got a question uh, for you on Which your we've un- said by the way, right? I mean, how yeah. often have we said that? But, but here's yeah, my I mean, question on, on your understanding of that, and it's this: uh, be- behind the scenes, how much of a plan do you think is in place here? Like, because you know, it's one thing if you're going to approach Kirk what, one more time, and you privately have decided that this is probably it, unless he accepts what the Vikings or the Cousins camp just uh, thinks is a lowball offer, but. I'm just curious from those reports and with what you know, how, how much do you think that there is at least a semblance of a real plan in place here that if Kirk does leave, the Vikings have at least a roadmap? They might not know the exact solution, but a roadmap of where this thing is going to go in the next year or so. Well, I mean, we can cite Tom again, right? One of our good buddies. When he volunteers one name, Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. right? The Vikings That's really like, specific. That wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't just random, right? So somebody, you know, Tom's an excellent reporter, right? He got that name, right? So there's meaning behind that one name. That was the one name floated. Although we can get to P.J. Fleck with the one name being floated late last week, how far that got down the UCLA road, because I'm not sure it got real far down that road. But in this instance, like, there's a reason why Sam Darnold's name was thrown out, right? So... Yeah, my sense is I didn't have that specific name, so kudos to Tom on that. But that there is a plan if Kirk, right? Like, there's this price point. The Vikings aren't going to exceed that price point. Now, when I say price point, that entails guarantees, structure, all that. It's not just, you know, a figure for one season, right, on a per-year basis, 42 million, whatever it is, right? I don't know that number. But the Vikings have this price point, right? So I don't think they're going to exceed that price point to bring back Kirk. So, yes, they are laying out all sorts of alternate routes, right? And I do think Sam Darnold, along with drafting a quarterback, is one of those routes. Okay, so I'm I'm filling in the gaps here. So the Vikings, I agreed, have a price point. They have a point in which they will not, they do not feel comfortable going past. Kirk Cousins has gone on multiple different, his, his international media tour, right? He's got the same talking points about 
how great he feels, how ahead of schedule he is, and more importantly, about how these conversations don't really start or pick up until sometime in March. So reading between the lines here, the Vikings have made an offer. The offer has been out there for however long. Kirk Cousins and his camp do not like the Vikings offer, so they are going to start conversations with other teams in March. I mean, they're done, right? I mean, unless the Vikings, unless Kirk is underwhelmed by the market or unless the Vikings drastically up what they're offering, like it sounds to me like Kirk has broken up with the Vikings, that he has rejected their offer. I'm not quite there yet. To me, it's a negotiation. It's not, hey, this is it. We're done. But, like, the money's going to be out there. If it's just money slash structure, like some team, all it takes is one team, whether that's Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Denver, you name the team. We've gone up and down the list many times because, Mm -hmm. to me, it's as compelling a talker right now as there is. So we'll continue to do it over the next handful of weeks. But whoever it is, all it takes is one team. Like, that money is going to be out there. So if that's the number one thing for him, yes, I'm with you, Phil. He is gone. But I still think there's a negotiation to be had some more back and forth that it certainly will pick up maybe more so like February 28th, February 29th into March 1st at the combine in Indianapolis. But like, I'm not at that point right here on February 13th to say it's done. It's over 100% cousins will be elsewhere. I'm not there. If the combine, if the, if, because there's so much information that comes out there, Dukes, if the combine, the Vikings go down there and the entire buzz is, Kirk does not go back to the Vikings, it's the Falcons. And a lot of of people, including this show, have talked about why that makes a ton of sense with his wife from the suburbs in Atlanta. If you're the Vikings, do you stop that? Because if you you can steer him to Atlanta, Atlanta has the eight pick. That removes them as a possibility to take a quarterback. Uh, The speculation right now, reckless or not, is that Atlanta and the Vikings are the main competitors to potentially trade up to five with the Chargers mm-hmm. to get that pick. If I'm the Vikings and I can and I see that path developing, I think there's a very compelling case to very quietly allow it to happen. Well, so that means that you think there's a clear separation on the Vikings board between the top three quarterbacks. Let's take Caleb Williams out of the mix, pick one. Okay, so Drake May in all likelihood, right? Drake May. Jaden Daniels. So you're saying there's a clear separation. Those two guys from J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix? Well, McCarthy, with with what Thor has talked about, I'm not as certain. The other ones, I think, yes. And, and Well, based I, on the senior bowl, sure. But and I buy, I and I buy, the, Jayden, I buy the Jaden Daniels team. I buy well, that. I buy that, that he this. would be a very good fit. Yeah, well, and hey, he, this isn't going to be a surprise, but somebody who knows Jaden – I was just going back and forth on some other stuff, and his name came up, right? The LSU connection with Justin. You look at all the weapons here. Yep. Like, Jaden Daniels would 100% welcome being a Viking. But I'm just saying, like, are we sure there's this separation on the Vikings board that they need to move up to five or three? Like, are you getting a guy at five? Do you need to move up to three with New England? Right? I mean, that's fine if that you're talking to Chargers too. at five. But do you need yeah. to get to three with the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it depends, too, on, like, do the Broncos look to jump? Do the Raiders look to jump? You're, right. Some of this, too, is you, you might be trying to prevent other teams from 
jumping you into a certain spot. We'll do some rapid fire scoops here in a second, and we'll get to the PJ Fleck UCLA steam uh, that was quickly uh, put out by PJ himself. But a shout out to our friends at Livia Judd for helping a lot of Score North listeners lose weight over the past couple of years. Absolutely, and you, you could become the latest one to drop that those unwanted pounds. That's Sports Dad right there on the left and the right. The difference is down forty pounds. Why? Thanks to a, a program, Livia Weight Control Center, so that I can promise you it works, and it works fantastic. As Phil just said, a ton of our uh, our loyal listeners and viewers have seen the results. You can as well. And here's the best part. You're going to get the first three months for free. That's right. First three months are going to be free. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. That's where your weight loss journey starts. Okay, Dukes, let's uh, let's go rapid fire scoop, starting with, did PJ Fleck almost go to UCLA? What was that all about last week? Well, there definitely was interest. So UCLA, my understanding is, hired a search firm to do some legwork. That search firm 100% reached out to Fleck, hmm. to Fleck camp. So there was clear interest. But my sense of the situation is that UCLA had a list of 10 to 12 people. So PJ was on that list. I think they hired the guy that was number one on their list, that they got this former position coach, what, he went to take an NFL job for a couple months, but this coach Foster, like, for whatever it's worth, that's who the players wanted. Mm. Like, I just, I don't even know that UCLA was willing to pay. UCLA is not a great job, clearly, right, when Chip Kelly is leaving for a college OC job. I guess we could have understood if it was an NFL OC job, but when you're leaving for a college OC job, clearly there are hurdles to coaching at UCLA. I get it. Like on the surface, you'd be like, no, it's Los Angeles. It's UCLA. That must be this unreal job. No, it's clearly not. Yeah. Not even close. Like ranking Big Ten jobs, I'm not sure it's in the upper half. If it is, it's like nine or 10, like nine if you want to go one through 18. But I'm not even sure it's that high. I think it's way lower than that. It's just, it's not considered a good job for myriad reasons. We don't need to get into all those reasons, but it's not a good job. Were they really willing to pay the University of Minnesota $7 million to buy out Fleck, then pay him 5 to $6 million a year? I'm just telling you, I just, I never saw it. I didn't. Now, I will also say, and I may get some blowback on this, Gophers fans should be very happy right now. You did not want yeah. to lose P.J. Fleck. Agreed. Especially right now. Maybe you'd understand it January 1st. You don't want to lose him right now. Not that five weeks is like this big thing, but I'm just saying in this moment with spring practice about to ramp up, right? Like you just, you didn't want to lose PJ right now. Plus I'm telling you, like, I don't think you're doing much better than PJ Fleck. I'm not sure you're doing better than PJ Fleck. Hey, from an entertainment standpoint, I would have been all about, Hey, go hire Pete Carroll, make a run at Pete Carroll. Not that Pete was coming, right? Heck, I would have made the call on Nick Saban, right? So, we could have had some fun conversations you about, you, you know, <laughs> who they could have at least tried to get. I don't think people. I mean, Les, Les, Les Miles was here one time on a private Les jet. Miles. Remember that? He, he tried was. to take the job. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, Gophers fans, you don't want to lose P.J. Flex. So you should be grateful that P.J. is staying. But I'm also saying in the same breath, I just don't have the sense that UCLA ever was, like, really, really all in. Right? I get it. Brett McMurphy on Friday puts out one name, and he's incredibly plugged in. He said, P.J. Fleck, Bruce Feldman, Dennis Dodd, some of these national reporters. I have a feeling they all have about the same source. Okay, that's fine. All right? I'm just telling you, my own spidey sense, 
is yes, PJ was on a list, but there were many other names on that list. The UCLA in the end hired the guy that was number one on their list. Yeah. Super interesting. So, uh, by the way, Les Miles, uh, yeah, two years at Kansas after he was rejected by the Gophers, it did not go particularly well. He was 0-9 in his second year and got fired. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw all the names, right? I mean, people had some fun on Friday. Jimbo Fisher, right? I mean, any number of, of names, right? I mean, Coyle hired, you know, the guy, is it Harson, the former Auburn coach? He's now unemployed. He was at Boise, right? Mark Coyle hired him way back in like 2013 at Boise. So there was some thought, okay, you know, Coyle always has a list. Well, that's one of his guys, right? He's still relatively young. He's unemployed. Like that would be the guy. He coached in the SEC. He's got, you know, all sorts of recruiting contacts. Coached at Boise. Had success at Boise. Didn't win at Auburn. It went painfully sideways at Auburn, but that was one of Coyle's guys, right? So we could have had fun with a nice list, but I'm just telling you, I don't think it ever got real far off the ground. Yeah. There he is. Darren Doogie Wolfson here with a scoop session on this Tuesday. A couple more Dawson Garcia. That just stunk on Sunday. So he took a shot to the groin. I promise you if Dawson could have gone back in, he would have. Heck, if you've ever been punched or kicked in the groin area, you know how painful that is, especially in the moment. So right now he is day to day, but there is optimism he'll be able to go on Thursday at Purdue. But I'll have a better sense later in the week. But I promise, like he saw it unraveling. He saw what was taking place Sunday in Iowa City. If he could have gone back in, mm. heck, if he does, do they lose the game now? Hey, they should have still found a way to win that game, regardless Dawson in or Dawson out. So that was a painful, painful loss. But I can promise you, Dawson. Speaking of pain, was in a lot of pain from that shot to the groin area. He just couldn't go back in. On the Twins, I've been asked, hey, anything new on Lorenzen or Syndergaard? As of yesterday afternoon, I was told nothing new to report. If the Twins do anything in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours, now we'll have some news later today. Official non-roster invites. Jordan Balazovic, we'll, we'll find out where he lands here later today. You know, Aaron Sabato, I've mentioned a couple of the names, at least on social media. Aaron Sabato, the 2020 first-round pick, he'll be one of the non-roster invites. Clearly, Brooks Lee, right? So we know yeah. some of the names on the non-roster invite list, so that'll come out later today. But the Twins sign a free agent in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours. Like, there's nothing going on in Gritchek, nothing going on in Duval. Like, I would think it would be Michael A. Taylor, that they're still kicking the tires on Michael A. Taylor. But just nothing new now. Hey, all it takes is one new phone call, one new offer, something, right? It can change snap of the fingers. But as of late yesterday afternoon, there just there wasn't anything new on Duval, on Gritchek, on Lorenzen, on Cindergard. Thank you, Doogie. Great stuff. Good stuff. All right, boys. We'll do it again take Thursday, it man. Yeah. Darren Doogie Olson, five eyewitness news sports department scoops here on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. Inside information and some speculation about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. Uh, we, we will do sort of a state of quasi discussion on Purple Daily today, and more on uh, the Twins and a couple of the names that Doogie threw out on the Scornorth Twin Show on this Tuesday. See you guys.